Well, let me start off by saying good morning, church. It is good to see you all in the house of the Lord on this morning. And let me, let me say, um, yesterday at the Advent concert in the bazaar, I was amazed by the amount of musical talent that's in our midst. We have a talented and gifted bunch. Amen? Amen. This morning... I am amazed by the Oscar-worthy talent (laughs) that we saw a little bit earlier, and uh, makes me look forward to this retreat, so thank you for that. One problem I do have, though, you referenced the Ravens Super Bowl. (laughs) You see... Living in New Orleans, it was easy to cheer for the Saints because they're in a totally different conference. So the Chiefs and the Saints could meet up in the Super Bowl. Well, the Ravens and the Chiefs are in the same conference. So only one of the two can make it to the Super Bowl. (laughs) So there will be either a sad pastor or a sad bunch of you all (laughs) at the marriage retreat, so. But either way, the Lord is good, amen? Amen. Let's direct our attention now uh, to his word. Uh, If you're able, I'll ask you to rise, and just as a warning, this is a significant portion of scripture, but... I feel it necessary to read all of it. So if you're visiting, I'll read this portion of Scripture, and then I will pray, and you can take your seat afterwards. The word of the Lord comes from Luke, Luke chapter 1. I want to read verses 57 through 80 in your hearing. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid up in in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his prophets, or of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies 
and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sun shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Father, we bless your most holy name, and we thank you for this Advent season. We thank you for this season in which we look back upon the coming of our Savior, and we also look forward to his coming again. We ask your blessings upon us as we look now to your word, and we pray, Lord, that your spirit will guide us as we spend a few moments in it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just by way of reminder, we are in what is called the Advent season. The Advent season. And I said this two weeks ago when I last preached. When I think of Advent, I think of the fact that Jesus has already come. And on the other side of the coin, we are reminded of the fact that he will come again. He has come and he will come again. Again, two weeks ago, I talked a little bit, or I referenced the fact that Jesus, or for this Advent season in my preaching, I want to focus uh, on the fact that Christ is the light of the world. The scriptures reveal to us, and we see with our own eyes that we are living in a world that is broken, and we see darkness in various places, but yet we trust that as a result of Christ having come into the world, who is our light, we see redemption, and we will see ultimate redemption when he comes back. But this morning, I entitled the message, uh, Preparing the Way for the Lord, and we will see how John himself while he will not be the major focus of the passage, but we will see how he is the forerunner of Christ and he gives to us light in the form of knowledge. But before that, I want you to think with me for a second. I want you to think about the experience of a dream coming true. Maybe this is something that you can speak to from personal experience, or maybe you have heard someone else relay uh, just the excitement and the joy of having a dream come true. It could be something big, or we can go back in time for some of us, and you know, we were all children at one point, and just think about, uh, you know, if you celebrated Christmas in the form of gift giving and 
You know, as a child, you might have been hoping for a specific toy or a specific gift, and you've been waiting, and you've been bugging your parents or your guardian for this gift, and Christmas morning comes, or Christmas Eve, I don't know, and you get an opportunity to open the gift, and it is the gift that you were hoping for and expecting. Remember the feeling that you had with that? Some of us, and I don't mean to be sensitive, that might have been a while ago, but... Just try to think back to those days. This passage, on some level, is a Christmas morning gift-opening event. This story, you will see how, or we will see how, Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth, and even the people with them, they had this hope, this hope that was given to them from of old, a hope that they would have been expecting and wanting and looking forward to. And then it comes, the hope is realized, and it creates a great deal of excitement and joy for God, or for them as it relates to their God. Now, having said that, just by way of context, the beginning of Luke, there are two major announcements. First, there is the announcement of the angel to uh, Zechariah and to his wife that they will have a child. Now, you have to understand that this is a miraculous event because they had been wanting children for some time and they were not able to have children and they were up in age. This is very similar to Abraham and Sarah's story. Zechariah, he's a priest and he's serving, doing his duties. And the angel appears to him and says, hey, you and your wife are going to have a child. And not only that, this child will go before the Lord himself and will do great things. And Zechariah, this is hard for him to, to believe. And it's the, the irony is stunning because he would have been familiar with the Abraham and Sarah story. And yet here, here he is asking the angel, how can this be? And so the angel says to him, you know, because you have doubted me, I I am someone who stands in the very presence of God. And God himself has sent me to communicate this to you. And because you have not believed it, you will go quiet. You will not be able to talk until the time that this event occurs. So this is the first major announcement. Then the second announcement, the angel goes to Mary. And he says to her, this young virgin daughter of Israel, says, you will bear a child, and he will be the savior of the world. And she, you know, she rightly asked the question, how can this be? I've not known a man. And, and he says, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And she accepts this proclamation and says, let the Lord do with his servant as he sees fit. And so these two birth announcements are what dominate the early portion of Luke. And our passage this morning, we come to the actual birth of John. And John, he is 
birth to Elizabeth and after which the people are trying to figure out just by way of repeating the story, hey, you know, we're going to name him after his father. That's the right and fitting thing to do. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's going to be John. And that's what the angel uh, was communicating to her. But nonetheless, uh, they're like, this doesn't make sense. No one has that name in your family. And so, again, Zechariah, who's not able to speak, has to write, his name will be John. And as a result, he all of a sudden is able to speak, and then he breaks out into prophecy. And his prophecy is twofold. He begins talking about what the role of the Messiah would be and how God, his promises are true. And then the last part of the prophecy, he talks about what John himself will do in relation to Christ. So that's somewhat of the content or the context behind the passage. I encourage you, if you get some time today on this Sabbath day, to reread it. And as you do, may the Spirit highlight things that may not be highlighted in this sermon. But that being said, there are four aspects of this text that I want us to take home with us. And we'll we'll relay this to Advent. So, for example, one, Advent reminds us of the promises of God. We'll come to that in a second. Secondly, Advent reminds us of the hope that is ours. Thirdly, Advent also reminds us of the fact that there is waiting involved with the promises and hopes of God. Fourthly, Advent reminds us that the promises of God will be realized. So these four aspects is what I want us to focus on, and I won't spend a great deal of time with each one of them, but I do want to think along those lines. So the first one, Advent reminds us of the promises of God. Now, in this passage, we see a promise of God being fulfilled, but the promises of God you can see throughout all of Scripture. You can go back to the beginning of time, and you see in the fall, for example, where God promises that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. In other words, God is promising in light of their difficult circumstances that though there will be a struggle between God's people and and so on and so forth and the enemy, that God's people will ultimately come out on top as a result of the woman's seed. Not only do you see that promise, but there's promises made to Abraham. One, he will be the father of a multitude, and not only that, but his children will go into exile, not exile, but slavery, and, and they'll go into slavery, but he will deliver them. Uh, so there's promises there. There's promises all throughout the prophets. For example, in Isaiah, you'll see prophecies, uh, promises about uh, redemption after exile, and there'll be a day when everything will be made new. Isaiah promises the birth of a a child that will bring redemption. You see promises in Jeremiah where the new covenant will come. And basically what he's communicating is that the, the law will no longer simply be something that is on tablet or in paper form, but it will be on our hearts. 
You see prophecies in Joel where the Spirit will come upon all of God's people and all of God's people will prophesy. In other words, God makes multiple promises to his people. And as I said two Sundays ago, the promises of God are often communicated in the midst of difficult times. His promises often come against the backdrop of that which is impossible. God makes promises to his people. And in this passage, again, as the angel goes and communicates to Elizabeth and to Zechariah that they will bear a child, this is the word of the Lord. And when the Lord communicates something, we can rest assured that his word is true. We can do this with man or with woman. You've met people who say one thing and then you're just left hanging and left hanging and left hanging and it gets to a point where their word really means nothing. And may that not be the case with us. Amen? Let your word be your word. But sometimes we all fall and sometimes we forget and sometimes we just uh, let things fall by the wayside. But not with God. When God makes a promise, we can rest assured that God's word is God's word. And so God made a promise to Zechariah and to Elizabeth that they will bear a son. And again, this comes against a difficult situation. Obviously, her not having born children by that time. And yet, we see this promise even realized. So, Advent reminds us not only of the promises that came prior to Christ, but what about the promises that are ours even now? We can make some of this personal. God, for example, promises that forgiveness is ours who place our faith and trust in Christ. Have you committed sin? Are you struggling with some sin? Are you in a place where you are wrestling and you on some level cannot forgive yourself? Well, God promises you forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Our God promises us grace throughout the scriptures. We are not often at our best. And sometimes we, oftentimes, we might fall and we try to do things with good motives, but we do not necessarily do them the exact way we hope to do them. But yet, with our God is grace. The Lord promises that there will be a time in which there will be no more tears. There will be no more heartache and sicknesses. These are promises that God makes to you and me. And so as this Advent season is upon us, we can look back to the promises that were made in connection to the birth of Christ, but we can also look forward to the promises that are ours beyond the birth of Christ. Amen? Now, with the promises of God, there are hopes that are created. You've heard the phrase, don't get your hopes all up, and you know I've had that said to me multiple times by Parents, my parents, for example, you know, can I do this or can I do that? Uh, let me think about it, but don't get your hopes all up. And so that's just another way of saying you may not 
this might not come to pass, so don't get overly excited. Well, with God, when he makes a promise, hope is created that we can rest assured in. What I mean by that is when God makes a promise, it's worth being excited about. It's something that we can look forward to with great expectation. God doesn't make promises that, you know, if we understand them, we should be like, oh, that's okay. God's going to give me grace. Eh. God is going to deliver me from, you know, this illness in in, in times to come. Eh." No, his promises are meant to create great hope. And even in the promises of the birth of John, this created great hope with Zechariah and Elizabeth. This wasn't something that they just, okay, God has made this promise, he's made this proclamation, and, and they just went about life as normal. This created a great expectation, a great hope that what God said would actually come to pass. And so, brothers and sisters, in this Advent season, This should be a season of great hope. I told you one of my, quote, spiritual homeworks from two Sundays ago was when I saw any darkness, whether it was in the news or whether it was something I read or something I felt, that I was going to remind myself that Christ is the light of the world. That brings me hope. When I look at difficult circumstances and I see brokenness, whether it's in me or in the church or in the world, when I am reminded that Christ or God has promised that all things will be made new, that creates an exciting hope within me. And so I need not despair. I need not walk around defeated because I have this great hope. And Elizabeth and John, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah were given great hope. Now, brothers and sisters, not only are the promises of God wonderful things, not only should this create great hope, but there's also waiting involved. I used the Christmas illustration a little bit earlier. Um, again, we've all been children at some point in our lives, and some of us are children now. But, but waiting can be sometimes like, you know, I, I can recall, you know, going through a store or something, and you see a gift and a toy or whatever it may be, and you're like mama or daddy or guardian or whoever, uh, I want this gift, I want this gift. And they say, yes. I'm going to get you this gift. Well, when? Can we get it today as we leave the store? No, I'm going to get it for Christmas. And the problem is it's January. (laughs) A delayed response, but you get the point. Now you have to wait from January all the way through December. Well, sometimes, oftentimes, the promises of God and the hope that it creates, it also calls for a waiting period. The woman's seed did not immediately crush the head of the serpent. When Abraham was promised and and Sarah were promised a child, it did not happen nine months later. When the people went into slavery and they were delivered and they were said, told they were going into the promised land, they did not make it there in a month or in a year. 
When the prophets of old uh, uh, prophesied about the coming of a Messiah, it did not happen right away. There was a waiting period. And brothers and sisters, this might not be the most exciting part of this message, but this is a reality. And Advent reminds us that there is a waiting period involved. Christ has come. He will come again. And we are waiting with great hope that he will come. And so, brothers and sisters, I, John, again, now for them, this is, this is kind of tricky because they had been hoping and wanting this child for quite some time. And now the angel comes to them and says that they will have a child. And granted, the child came in, in, in due time. But nonetheless, there was still a waiting period. John did not pop up out of the sky and become their child. Instead, they had to wait. And so, brothers and sisters, let us, for one, let us recognize that God makes promises to you and me, just as he made to John and uh, to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let us have great hope in the promises of God, but also let us remember that it calls for patience. It calls for a waiting period. But the last part, God's promises will come to realization. There should be an amen after that. What God has promised will come to pass. And we see that in this story as well. And I have not dealt too much or uh, intimately with the passage, but look with me just right quick, uh, beginning at John's prophecy in 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his, of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. The arrival of this child ushered in, while maybe not the full revelation or the full promise of God, it ushered in at least a portion of it to the point where he can say, salvation is ours. We have been redeemed. Not only that, but we can walk and we can serve the Lord without fear. We can serve him in holiness and righteousness. And he's saying this in the context of living in an environment where the people were oppressed and they were not often able to worship as freely as they wanted to. But yet, with the birth of this child, it tells them that God's promises has arrived. And brothers and sisters, you see this again in multiple places in Scripture. Abraham, to be exact, we've referenced him already. 
Abraham, you're going to have a child. Did it happen? Yes, it happened. David, you are going to become king, and David is now on the run, fearful for his life. Did he become king? Yes. Going backwards, Moses, I want you to go deliver the people, and you all are going to be delivered from slavery, uh, but yet you're going to be tested for a period. And they spend 40 years in the wilderness. Did they make it into the promised land? I know that's kind of tricky. The older generation didn't, but the younger did. But the bigger point is God's people made it into the promised land. Amen? Not only that, there are other multiple uh, examples that you can see of God's fulfillment coming true. And this passage reminds us that what God says for one is true. There's great hope that can be ours and is ours. There's waiting involved, but know that the promises will be ultimately realized. Now, as I close out, brothers and sisters, going back yet again two weeks ago, we talked about Christ being the light. Christ is the light of the world. And in Isaiah's portion of scripture that we utilized, light served in the context of salvation. In this passage, John, the child that is born, he is going to be a forerunner to Christ. He is going to prepare the way. And one of the ways in which he prepared the way is giving light unto the Gentiles and unto the world. And what that, message, what that means on some level is that light is now being communicated in the form of knowledge. In other words, the people are walking around in darkness. Darkness signified ignorance in this context. Wondering what's happening, what's going on, who is going to be the Messiah, what, when is this stuff going to happen? And John comes on the scene and he communicates this light that Christ is here. Christ is amongst us. The way of salvation has been made known. And brothers and sisters, we are also called to prepare the way of the Lord. While it may not necessarily be in the same context as John himself, we do have a responsibility. We can go out, whether it's on our jobs, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our neighborhoods, in the city. We should go out and make the promises of Christ known. We are living, we are serving, we are walking with people who do not have the hope that we have and yet so desperately need it. And they must be made aware of the promises that give this great hope. And of course, we don't present it in a way in which it's theirs on tomorrow, depending on what we're talking about. I mean, we must communicate that with this life, there comes difficulty, there comes waiting. But what it is that we have called, or that we're called to believe and trust in, it will happen. So who are those folks who need to know about Jesus? Who are those folks who need to know about this horn of salvation? Who are those folks that need the promises that come, the hope that comes with serving and believing in Christ Jesus? You know who they are. We should know who they are. And if, as we do, may the Spirit of the Lord help us to go and prepare the way so that Christ may be a light 
to the people who need the light that only he can provide. And as we do that, brothers and sisters, may the Lord be honored. Father, we bless your most holy name. And Lord, we thank you for the promises that have been made and already realized, specifically the coming of Christ, the fact that he has come once. We thank you so much for that. We thank you for his coming to this earth and taking upon himself our sin. Thank you for his coming to this earth and going to the cross to pay the price for our sin. And we thank you that as a result, we are made right by you and we are accepted into fellowship. We thank you for the righteousness that comes with Christ's death. We thank you so much, Lord, for the great hope that is ours. We look forward to that day when all things will be made new, and we look forward to that day when redemption will be full and complete in the new heavens and the new earth. Help us, Father, to be patient. Help us to wait and not grumble, but yet help us to wait with great expectation and trust. And Father, we thank you as well for the fact that these things will be realized. And Father, we also thank you even for the ministry of John. Thank you for Zechariah and Elizabeth and their story and how you utilized them and allowed them to play a part in the redemption of Israel. And we thank you even for the part you've called us to play in the redemption of a broken world. Thank you so much for this Advent season. Thank you for what it means. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.